Parents and guardians, it's time once again for the Fearless Parenting Show. Well, 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 welcome back to another episode of Fearless Parenting. Today we're back for part two of our three-part episode with Dr. Janine Janot. She's the author of The Disintegrating Student, Struggling But Smart and Falling Apart, and How to Turn It All Around. So without much further ado, here's Dr. Janine Janot. Man, I'm going to go into the second point here I want to talk to you about, that because they don't have control, this is what causes a lot of time good students to disintegrate. Uh, that's a big part of it. So I coined the term disintegrating student just to describe these kids, like I said, who are really capable, bright, usually pretty high achieving kids. And they're kind of, I describe them as like in elementary, maybe even middle school. They're the kids who just go to school. They're in class. They pick up all the information. They get their homework done in class on the bus. They don't study for tests. They still get the A's. And then they hit what I call a rigor tipping point. So there's just some point in their education. It could be in middle school, it could be high school, it could be college, it could be grad school. But at some point, a lot of these kids just hit this wall where the challenge becomes too much and they can't compensate just by being smart. So if you're taking AP Chem, AP Psych, um, AP World History, and you're a really bright kid and you have absolutely no study skills and you've never studied or put effort into school in your life, you're probably going to hit this regular tipping point. And they, the problem is you talk about shutting a kid down. That's what happens because they have no idea what's going on. They become paralyzed is what they look like. So they stop doing their, they, they self handicap. They stop turning Mm. things in. They stop studying because what's happened in their mind they they've always been a really bright kid. They've been told since they were two years old, you're so smart. You're so smart. You did that so fast. And here, all of a sudden, they're getting feedback, you know, maybe some bad test grades, um, you know, their grades going down in a course or something. They're getting feedback. You're not so smart. And they tend to think I'm just as smart as I am. There's nothing I can do but just be smart. So they don't understand that putting effort in, um, taking on challenges, making mistakes, all these things are opportunities to actually grow their intelligence. They see all those things as very, very threatening. So they don't want feedback. They don't want to put in effort. They don't want to ask for help because that's embarrassing. Smart kids don't ask for help. They figure it out for themselves. And this is what ends up happening um, where the parents and the kids, this period of time where there's just a lot of misunderstanding and miscommunication because um the parents get on board when they start to see the grades, you know, you start mm-hmm. throwing in a few C's or some D's or, you know, not handed in and all that kind of stuff. And the parents like, Hey, what's going on? Yeah, what's going on? You know, what have you, what's going on? You know, the frust they come at it frustrated. Uh, and the yeah, kid says, the kid says, I don't know. And they're not lying. They, they truly, <laughs> they don't know. As far as they're concerned, their whole world is crashing down on them. Their self-esteem is taking a huge hit because they're, they've internalized being smart and capable and a good student. And now they're getting this feedback. Mm. So they are, and talk about shutting down. So yeah, their identity has just, who they saw they are has just made a major shift. And now you're out there, you're young, you don't have a lot of experience and you're like, who, who, who am I? 
Mm-hmm. What am I doing? And and the place where it really goes south in families, and this happens all too often, is the stories we have in our head, the assumptions we're making about what's going wrong uh, don't match up. So the parents' assumptions are their kid doesn't care, they're not motivated, they're lazy, and they'll oftentimes they've offered help, like, can we get you a tutor? Can, you know, how can we help with this? Can we talk with the teacher, schedule a time, blah, blah, blah. And because the student, their child hasn't taken them up on that offer, they assume it's in their kid's control because they're saying, no, I don't want to do that. And then in the kid's head, the thing I hear the most from students is my parents care more about my grades than they do me. Mm. And and that, and you know, and I, I hear it so much and I've spent a lot of time thinking about it because it's never true. I mean, that's just really not the case. But the reason the kids think that is because if you think about, and you know, I'm guilty of this myself as a parent, the percentage of conversation we have around academics to, to our kids is really, really high. So the, the majority of stuff we're talking to them about is school stuff. Did you turn that in? what you get on that test? Um, don't you think you should be studying for this thing? Are you going to sign up for this next year? And just that, because of our stress around, you know, their success and their achievement, that gets messaged to them like that's what we care most about. And then the kid worries about in their head, they're worrying that they're disappointing their parent if they're starting to get this, you know, their grades are starting to go down. And the two biggest thing that impact their self-esteem is they are fearful they're not smart anymore. And they also think it's only happening to them because all these kids are keeping this to themselves because it's embarrassing. So they don't know that my good friend Johnny over here is going through the same exact thing. They're not talking to each other about it. You know, kids, just like people, uh, you know, one of the things Maxwell says often is people don't care how much you know about anything until they know how much you care. Mm-hmm. And so let's make a little transition into that and let's talk about how parents can show that they do care and, and be involved in their children's well-being without hovering and how can they help their child discover the way they should go. I mean, that's what we all want as parents, right? I mean, we're we're so well-intentioned in all the things we do. And I actually devote an entire chapter in the book to this because it's near and dear to my heart because there are things that we do that are so well-intended that over time do have some negative unintended consequences for our kids. And I think the biggest one is helping. So we've sort of been you know, we, the last couple of generations of kids have been raised with this parenting philosophy of, you know, a good parent is a parent who is taking care of all the things. Their kid is safe. Their kid is in all the things that they can be in. They're being watched over. Um, so that hovering thing has kind of been equated with good parenting until we've gotten to the point where we're at a tipping point there too. It's not helpful because what ends up happening is, our kids, we're helping our kids when they know they don't need it and they don't want it oftentimes. And then if we do this repeatedly, the message we're sending to our kids is you can't handle it. Again, we're taking control away from them. So if we're constantly, you know, if we're worried about, um, let's say a high school student getting an application in and we do the whole, have you done your application yet? No, I will. Have you done your application? Is your application done? No, I'm doing it later. 
is your application done? And we could keep doing it until the <laughs> point where we're just, we just sit down and do the application ourselves, And we're messaging. We don't think you're going to, we don't think you're going to handle it. And we've also told the kid, yeah, we've got your back. We're not going to let things fall through the cracks. And man, you go off to college in the real world or, you know, your job after high school, the world does not treat you that way. Mm. <laughs> The world does not have your back in the way that a hovering parent does. And that is disorienting, to say the least, to some of our young adults. Life has consequences, mm -hmm. good and bad, depending on what you do or don't do. And sometimes uh, kids just got to find out themselves. Yeah. I think it's really helpful for parents, too, to be reminded of what we have control over and what we don't have control over. So when we're hovering, we're often under the illusion that we have control over what our kids eat, what they learn, um, you know, their when they sleep. These are things we cannot control in another human being. And if you're trying to control what a teen eats, they're sleeping or they're learning, that's going to be causing a lot of conflict in the family. Um, but what we do have control over is what we're doing. So our superpower as parents is actually modeling, modeling what we'd like to see. So oh, we have yes, concerns yes, about yes, our love it. Keep keep going, keep going. Yes. I mean, concerns about our kids' screen use or sleep habits and things like that. The place to start is with ourselves, even around this mindset thing of, you know, accepting challenges and making mistakes and that's okay. Um, if we can do that as adults that they're watching, they've been watching us so closely forever since they've been born, um, then they're learning to internalize those messages. And it's much, much, much more powerful than saying you need to, you should blank, mm -hmm. um, just look at what I'm doing. Um, and I call it living out loud because, you know, at some point I think I just got so frustrated and my parenting was just like, okay, I'm just going to take care of me. And then I realized, oh, wow, that's really effective. It's very, very powerful. And and it it is difficult on them and they are going to fall down and uh, they are going to trip up and they are going to fail, but they need to know that it's okay to fail. And that's why I love the modeling part that you're talking about, because sometimes, you know, and I have to remember sometimes like, you know what? Yeah, daddy was kind of brain dead there. OK, <laughs> that was that was on me or uh -huh. or at times of like, you know. Um, I I can't feel like you're feeling at this time, but. I have, kind of have an understanding of what you've been through because when I was about your age, I did this, this, and this, and this is how your daddy felt down. But you can see I'm still alive. I'm still making it. I'm still pressing on. Mm -hmm. You know, and have that, they, they need to know you're not perfect. Yes, and I think a lot of times we go into it thinking we need to prove to them or maybe others, I don't know, it, that we're these super parents and the more human we can be and the more we can normalize making mistakes and apologizing sincerely. I, it's incredible. If, if you want to work on the relationship piece with our kids, I, that's, 
that's the place to start. I mean, I still apologize to my oldest constantly because I'm just like, oh man, because I parented him so differently from my youngest. <laughs> you know, I was very overprotective of him. And, you know, and I look back and I'm just like, oh, um, he's over it. <laughs> he's forgiven me. But, you know, for me, I'm still like, I want you to know I see the difference. I understand, you know, you know, why I'm doing it differently now. I wish I would have known then, but um, that's just a little bit of parent guilt that seeps in every once in a while. But the, you know, the thing, the, the gift we give to our kids, the thing I think of parents don't realize um, is the most protective thing we can give our kids, particularly when they're experiencing lots of anxiety, lots of adversity, like, you know, they've all been experiencing relative to COVID in school over the past year and a half is that we show up as the caring, supportive adults who are providing them the structure in their life. That is the thing that actually protects them against, mitigates against that adversity. And it seems so easy. It's kind of like, well, of course I love my kid and I'm showing up as a warm person, but that is, that's the thing to really focus on that just being there is doing a lot to demonstrate how much we care. And that is so protective in their resilience and their ability to cope with whatever it is that they are struggling with. Parents and Guardian, episode two was ever been as good as episode one. And you know what? We still got one more episode to go with the good doctor. So check out the podcast description where you'll find a link to her book and to her website. Please be back for episode three. You don't want to miss it. So until that time, God bless you. And as I always say, go forth and fearlessly perish. God bless.